If you're enjoying this Med Prep to Go Step 1 podcast, you can now get the content along with the content of the Crush Step 1 podcast ad-free in one bundle. Just go to medpreptogo.com and find our new subscription podcast called Med Prep to Go Step 1 Bundle. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Dr. Ted O'Connell with the Med Prep to Go podcast. Today, we'll be reviewing three behavioral questions. Just a reminder that you can find these questions as well as many more on our website at medpreptogo.com. If you have feedback or you'd like to get involved contributing to this free online and audio question bank, please contact us through our website or at ted.medpreptogo.com. If you like what we're doing, please give us a review, tell your friends, and subscribe to the podcast, as this will help us quite a bit. If you're interested in learning more about me and my new books and projects, you can find those at tedxoconnell.com. All right, let's get started with the first question. A 25-year-old graduate student is brought to the emergency department by his roommate because he has been acting strangely. The roommate reports that over the last four months, he has frequently been found to be talking to himself and speaking to the air. He has also refused to leave his room for several weeks recently because he believes that once he is out of his room, people will extract his thoughts and he will be followed by villains. A psychiatric consultation is obtained and he is diagnosed with schizophrenia and is started on treatment with haloperidol. Upon follow-up, he is noted to have a blunted affect and reports that he is less motivated to do things and is less active. These negative symptoms are caused by which of the following? A. Decreased dopamine activity in the mesocortical pathway. B. Decreased dopamine activity in the mesolimbic pathway. C. Increased dopamine activity in the basal ganglia. D. Increased dopamine activity in the mesocortical pathway, or E, increased dopamine activity in the mesolimbic pathway? The correct answer is A, decreased dopamine activity in the mesocortical pathway. First generation, also called typical antipsychotics, demonstrate clinical efficacy in treating positive symptoms of schizophrenia such as hallucinations and delusions. While they are largely ineffective and may worsen negative symptoms, such as blunted affect and social withdrawal, as well as cognitive function, the positive symptoms of schizophrenia are associated with hyperdopaminergic neurotransmission in the brain, particularly in the mesolimbic dopamine pathway while the negative symptoms and cognitive deficits associated with schizophrenia may be caused by hypodopaminergic activity in the mesocortical pathway. 
dopamine D2 receptor antagonists, such as chlorpromazine and haloperidol, have demonstrated clinical efficacy in the reduction of positive symptoms, but they do not work well in treating negative symptoms and may exacerbate negative symptoms and cognitive deficits associated with schizophrenia. Second-generation or atypical antipsychotics, such as clozapine, olanzapine, risperidone, aripiprazole, quetiapine, and zeprazidone block serotonin 2A, also called 5-HT2A, receptors and alpha-1 and H1 receptors in addition to D2 receptors. The key learning point of this question is that the negative symptoms and cognitive deficits associated with schizophrenia may be caused by hypodopaminergic activity in the mesocortical pathway. Question 2. A 26-year-old man presents to his psychiatrist for his weekly scheduled visit. The patient has a three-year history of severe major depressive disorder with psychotic features and is currently treated with a combination of sertraline and olanzapine. At the visit, the patient appears extremely agitated and describes that his week has been stressful due to difficulties at work. Towards the end of the visit, he tells the physician that he plans to attack his boss when he starts his shift the following day. The physician's legal obligation regarding this disclosure is guided by which of the following principles? A. Fix law, B, Good Samaritan law, C, Primary prevention, D, Tarasoff rule, or E, Tertiary prevention. The correct answer is D, Tarasoff rule. This rule, based on a Supreme Court decision, obligates physicians to breach confidentiality when a patient threatens to harm another person. The physician should contact the police and try to warn the potential victim. Answer choice A, fix law, is incorrect. This is a gas exchange equation that states the rate of gas diffusion is directly proportional to the gas's partial pressure difference and diffusion surface area, and inversely proportional to barrier thickness. Answer choice B, Good Samaritan law, is incorrect. This law limits the liability of physicians who treat patients in an emergency when the physician is not receiving compensation. Answer choice C, primary prevention, is incorrect. This refers to actions taken to prevent disease processes from ever occurring. Examples include the use of sunscreen and vaccinations. Answer choice E, tertiary prevention, is incorrect. This refers to actions taken to prevent disease sequelae and reduce disability from illness. Examples include routine measurement of hemoglobin A1c as a metric of long-term glycemic control in patients with diabetes. The key learning point here? The Tarasoff rule mandates that physicians breach patient-provider confidentiality when the patient threatens harm against someone. Question 3. A 21-year-old woman presents to a psychiatrist for an initial intake appointment. She reports decreased mood, decreased appetite, anhedonia, and difficulty concentrating for the past two weeks. Past medical history is significant for major depressive disorder, 
which has previously been treated with adequate trials of various selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or SSRIs. She states previous treatment worked for a while, but then it just stopped working. Her most recent episode of depressive symptoms was six months ago. She does not use any illicit substances, and her screening laboratory tests are unremarkable. The patient states she recently saw a commercial advertising a new antidepressant and asks if adding this drug to her current medications would prevent another relapse of major depressive disorder. The data from a randomized controlled trial in which this new drug was used as an adjunct demonstrated that 15% of patients relapsed within one year, compared to 30% of patients in the placebo group. Which of the following statements is most likely correct when comparing the protocol for the placebo group and the treatment group in this clinical trial? A. The placebo group and treatment group received an equal dose of the new drug. B. The placebo group received a higher dose of the new drug than the treatment group. C. The placebo group received a lower dose of the new drug than the treatment group. D. The placebo group received no treatment for their major depressive disorder. Or E. The placebo group received only their pre existing major depressive disorder regimen. The correct answer is E. The placebo group received only their pre existing major depressive disorder regimen. When it is feasible to do so, The placebo in a trial receives no treatment, essentially serving as a negative control. However, it is unethical to withhold treatment when doing so poses harm to study participants. The most likely design for this clinical trial was a placebo arm that continued to receive their current treatment for major depressive disorder, but did not have the new drug added to that regimen. Answer choice A. The placebo group and treatment group received an equal dose of the new drug is incorrect. If this were true, there would be no difference in the protocol for the treatment and control groups. That would make a clinical trial futile since there would be no independent variable manipulated. Answer choice B, the placebo group received a higher dose of the new drug than the treatment group is incorrect. This answer choice is very counterintuitive. If a clinical trial were testing if a lower dose of a certain drug than currently recommended could maintain efficacy with fewer side effects, then perhaps a placebo group would receive standard of care, that is, high dose, and the trial group would receive a lower dose. Answer choice C, the placebo group received a lower dose of the new drug than the treatment group, is incorrect. It is feasible that future studies might be designed as dose-response studies to determine optimal dosing regimens of the new drug. In that case, however, there would be multiple treatment arms, each receiving a different dose. The placebo group would still not be receiving the new drug. Answer choice D, the placebo group received no treatment for their major depressive disorder, is incorrect. As stated above, it is unethical to completely withhold treatment. The key learning point here? Interpreting data from clinical trials is an important part of evidence-based medicine. Clinical trials test a hypothesis by choosing a relevant outcome, quantifying that outcome for a trial, that is, in the experimental 
and the control or placebo group and comparing the data between those groups. The trial group receives the new treatment being tested, which may be a different drug altogether or simply a different dosing regimen than the standard of care. The placebo, contrastingly, serves as a baseline against which to compare the results from the trial group. Although the placebo group does not receive the new treatment being tested, they still receive standard of care treatment. Okay, so that's it for this episode. But please do check out our other episodes that are available at medpreptogo.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're interested in the content behind some of these questions, please check out the Crush Step 1 podcast.